Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. Please make sure your seatbelt is securely fastened, your tray table is in an upright and locked position, and that you are ready to get weird and think different. Please prepare for takeoff. Today is Wednesday. It is March 3rd. We are back with another episode of Destination Different. So I know I've mentioned this now a few times in this introduction, but I want to use this as a space to talk about what I'm doing, to talk about what's working, what's not working, what is making this show better, how somebody else who's starting a business or a podcast or a project could apply some of the things that I'm doing to what they're working on. So last week, I had the very cool opportunity to interview a former NFL linebacker. And so this actually wasn't for the Destination Different podcast. This is for another podcast, top secret project that I've been brought into. But that's neither here nor there. The point I want to make is that I talked to this NFL linebacker and I asked him what separates you or what separated you as an athlete from everybody else in the NFL and in researching him he was not known to be the strongest or the fastest or anything like that and his answer was that he consistently showed up every single day and he elaborated a little bit further on that and said I Again, I wasn't the fastest, I wasn't the strongest, I wasn't you know, the most skilled guy, but he showed up to practice every day, focused, he showed up to film every day, focused, he showed up and put in the work every single day. And that consistency of showing up every single day was what made him an asset that coaches look towards, an asset that kept him in the league for four or five seasons. And I think about that and I think about this podcast and myself as a podcaster and I would say I'm not by any stretch of the imagination the best question asker or the funniest host or the most brash or out there. But if I'm going to make this thing successful and it's going to be big, which are my aspirations for this show someday. I got to show up. I got to be consistent. I got to come here every single day, put in the work, get better, make this thing the best that it can be. So today, when I'm recording this introduction, I am actually sitting, it's about 6.30 in the morning. I'm sitting in a snow-covered car in a parking lot in Vermont somewhere. It looked like it about snowed. I'll give it three inches overnight. And the rest of my family is sleeping inside, so I didn't want to wake them up. But I'm sitting in this car recording the introduction to today's podcast. So that that's all I wanted to add to the front of this show. I'm hoping that that consistency, that that ability to show up every single day is what eventually makes this podcast successful. Big. I would say it's already successful. But defining... I want it to be bigger. I want it to be better. And with that, I'll jump into today's guest, who is 
and who was just a delightful conversation to have. Our guest on today's show is Addie Haber. And Addie is a, the best way I can describe her is a cocktail food extraordinaire. So Addie is the founder of Another Round Cocktails, which is her business that does a little bit of everything. She does cocktail consulting for bars and restaurants. Think a new restaurant opens up and they want to revamp their cocktail menu. Addie would be brought in to help shape the structure of that menu, create the drinks, make it match the vibe or the the food menu. So she does some of that. She's also, during the pandemic, created these amazing at-home cocktail experiences where she's air-sealing bagged cocktails and delivering them to folks uh, throughout the pandemic. She is an incredibly talented and knowledgeable bartender who's worked in the the food and restaurant industry for, for years now. And so we had the chance to talk about one, just life in the food industry and the, the bar industry and how she's sort of grown and how she's seen the progression of the industry grow over the years. And it was super interesting to talk about you know, her approach to sustainability and, and sustainable ingredients. And we've seen a lot of restaurants over the years move to this farm to table approach, but you don't see a ton of bartenders or drink menus really move in that same direction. So that's what she's pushing for with another round cocktails is making these incredible cocktail experiences, but doing it with ingredients that are locally grown, that are sustainably grown. And I was fascinated by her approach to that and to her approach to business. So we talked a lot of drinks. We talked a lot of fun. And this is an awesome, awesome interview of Destination Different. So on this week, I will pass it on over to Addie Haber the founder of Another Round Cocktails. I hope you enjoy. Who is your celebrity crush? Oh, okay. Well, here's... It's a twofold question okay. because I, I am gay, but I also have a male celebrity crush as well as a female celebrity crush. Okay. Give me, give me so my, my one true is Kate Winslet. Okay. Love her great, so much. Great choice. Yep. And then uh, number two is 50 Cent. Okay. So yep. if Kate Winslet, so now part two of this question, if Kate Winslet and 50 Cent walked into your bar that you're working oh, at, man. what cocktail are you, they said, make me, you know, whatever you want for mm-hmm. me. What are you what are you making for them? It's this is the actual name of the cocktail, and it's a very bougie craft cocktail, and it's called a naked and famous. And that's what they're getting. Okay. <laughs> it is so delicious. It's all equal parts. It's built like a last word, which is a pretty classic cocktail. But it's uh, tequila or mezcal, which I'll usually give people the choice of, and then Aperol, lime juice, and yellow chartreuse. So good. Okay, I like that. Yeah. Um, so I, I wanted to ask that just of like, okay like dream guest comes into your yeah party. oh they're getting that drink also there's the cheeky moment of it being called a naked and famous so there's that little that, they're, that little element they're both famous as well yes um, and so tell me a little bit about like you just you just mentioned you've been in the cocktail you know mm-hmm. restaurant beer bar world for 15 years now like mm-hmm. half your life how did you start getting into the you know cocktail space yeah. and um, um, what started this interest in in cocktails and bars for you yeah well I 
I hope there's no cops listening. I've been an avid drinker for, for quite a while. So I love drinking first of all. Um, but I got a job at PF Chang's when I was 15 years old. My dad knew the owner. So he, or he knew like the GM. So they let me start working before I was 16. And I worked, um, at the location in the theater, theater district in Boston. Mm-hmm. And I'm a huge Celtics fan. And like all the Celtics, like Paul Pierce used to come into the PF Chang's all the time. And I was like, this is so fucking cool. Like, I'm aware enough to know that this, like at the time I was like, I mean, this is kind of like a shitty Chinese place. And like the Celtics are coming here. It's like jam packed. Um, it's just so fun. And, you know, like, I feel like working at a place like that when you're in high school can be pretty, it can be pretty mesmerizing, especially mm-hmm. if you go to a place like where I went to high school, which is very sort of vanilla. Um, it was like, whoa, this is, this is pretty cool. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just sort of, I just, I've never had a nine to five job. I've always worked in bars and restaurants since I was 15. I'm not, I just turned 30. Um, Has that hit you yeah. yet that it's like half your life now? Oh yeah. When I was, I remember I was just telling some friends like, and this is a pretty common in the industry, but like when I was 21, I was like, man, if I'm still, if I'm still bartending when I'm 30, like I'm going to, I'll fucking kill myself. Like, this is mm. so, I'm so over this. Like, I mean, it's a really back, it's a, very labor intensive, like mm-hmm. backbreaking job. So like, we kind of had said that when we were younger as being like, man, like I'm 21 and I'm already tired. Like this is, you know, this is pretty exhausting, but I just turned 30 and, and I'm still here. So, um, yeah, I mean, you stuck with it. So, yeah. There's, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say like, how has it, how has it changed for you over the years? Like from those early days when you're working in PF Chang's to obviously now, you know, starting your own company, but like, what were that in between? Like, and oh, how has the scene changed? Yeah. I mean, time? so that's also a pretty, that's a pretty big question. So, I mean, the food scene has all, has changed so much in 15 years. And like, I feel like sort of my, like how my resume progressed sort of like went sort of like matched that upward trend, like in Boston, I worked at like dive bars and kind of, um, I worked at this place called Durgan Park in Boston. That was like one of the oldest restaurants in the country. Um, a friend's mom owns it or owned it. Um, and that was like, you know, all my coworkers, their average age was like 72. Like it was pretty, it was a pretty wild place to work when you're 19 and 20. Um, and then I, I moved to this really awesome spot in Boston called Westbridge. That's no longer open, but it's above the state park where Mamala's used to be. Cool. And I feel like that's where I was like, okay, this is, I'm like 22. Like, this is what food, this is like what food and beverage is to me. Like it's mm-hmm. a really hip looking spot. All the servers are cool looking and like in their twenties, there's like music blasting. I'm in Cambridge. This is like, this is cool. Like the food was, I still think it was the most inventive restaurant I've ever worked at. Like that dude, the dude who owns that, who owned it, who now, works at um, Rochambeau in Boston. Mm-hmm. Like he was blowing people's minds eight years ago with what he was doing with food. Like um, it was just, it was super special. And, you know, like I moved to Texas with a coworker there. That's sort of also, I'm, I'm kind of all over the place, but I feel like when I think of food and drinks and like where it's gone in 15 years, like for me, that's where it started, where it's like, okay, like beet salads are out, mm-hmm. you know, like, beet salads are out and seafood potage is in like these sort of like crazy things that like I hadn't seen before, 
even like my other friends at other restaurants were like, whoa, this place is like really, really cool. Um, so yeah, sort of seeing like past food trends and then just sort of watching them in my mind, thank God, fade into the distance. And it's yeah. like, we're getting all these like really cool new things. Like people are starting to care about sustainability and like local farming and like, like rights, like rights for servers and like, you know, like getting rid of tipping and like all of these sort of like big things that you don't totally think of every time you go to a restaurant to have a dining experience, you know, like usually you'll kind of like sit, sitting at a bar for two hours, I'm not totally thinking about all how the, the person who's waiting on me makes $2 an hour. And they're like, you know what I mean? There's just, there's so mm -hmm. many factors. Um, so I feel like I half answered your question, but. No, I, I think it, it, it makes a lot of sense. And I'm, I'm wondering for you too, cause like food, obviously you, you touched on this. I want to go a little bit deeper, but you food plays such an important role as a bartender, as a server, mm -hmm. like, and you mentioned you love to cook and eat and what does, how do you approach like the making of drinks and pairing with, with food? Like, you know, has that become more part of your repertoire versus- Oh yeah, I mean, your... that's also, yeah, yes. That's basically sort of the idea that I like founded my company on was basically like historically, I have a, a history of when people are at a bar and they're like, oh, I hate, like, and I ask them what they'd like to drink. They're like, oh, anything but gin. Mm -hmm. I always make them a cocktail with gin because I'm like, no, I- your mind will be changed. Like it's so, it's so exciting to like totally change someone's perspective on, on a drink. And, you know, or like, if, I mean, the same goes for pairing, like people are like, Oh, I'm having ducks. So like, I'll have a cab and I'm like, Ooh, no, like, no, no, that's not a good idea. You know, like sort of being able to all like open up that dialogue for, mm -hmm. for why food and drinks go so well together. And also I just feel like with, um, with regards to another round, like that was a huge catalyst for me, like starting, it was like, man, there's so many better drinks that you can have at your wedding that aren't an old fashioned or a mojito mm -hmm. or all these things that you might like, and you might think that you really do like them, but like, there's so much more out there and it's so accessible to you without really having to feel like someone's being pretentious or like that you don't you're afraid because you don't know you don't know if you like mezcal because you've never had it and you think you don't like smoky stuff because smoky stuff smells like shit but like in this cocktail it's amazing so like let me make it for you you know how, how do you like how does somebody learn as a as a bartender like or somebody in your space to even know what what is out there for like these fancier cocktails like how do you go from okay i'm, I'm pretty i know an old-fashioned i know a mojito mm -hmm. i know a margarita i know these like straight very straightforward things to like evolve to these much more intricate cocktails? Like, how do you learn those things? I read cocktail books like they're fiction. So I'll like, I'll sit down with a cocktail book and read it cover to cover, it, like recipes included as if it's an actual book. Um, and, and is I a feel cocktail like, book just like a, like a food cookbook? Is it like the same kind of concept of how they're put? Oh together? yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're like, especially now, like all of the, like my favorite cocktail book is the aviary cocktail book, which Aviary is from, is the cocktail bar associated with Alinea, which the restaurant in Chicago. So it's like a lot of the cocktail books now that I think people really gravitate towards come from restaurants or come from bars or, you know, restaurant groups where like they have restaurants. Food is so, food is so integrated in cocktails. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've made a cocktail in the last five years that didn't have some kind of meat, vegetable, dairy, like something in it that mm -hmm. is like, based. yeah, it's like translated or like a part of food too, you know? Yeah. 
but yeah, I mean, cocktail books, I think are, they're so much more useful for me. And I think for other people in the industry than like, like a platform like Instagram, where you're just like seeing things, but not really like getting the history on it. Like, you know, like learning what actually is in it, how to actually do all these like really intense techniques that chefs do, you know, I wasn't going to quite go here yet, but I'm like, you mentioned Instagram. It's such, I feel like it's like a double-edged sword with cocktails Mm -hmm. where like, there's so many, these massive like cocktail bartender accounts and this and that, like, what are your thoughts on how Instagram has changed that? It sounds like, I, I, maybe it's, maybe it's a big question, but, um, like what, what is your, what are your thoughts on, on Instagram and how? Yeah. My thoughts, um, cocktails. it just sounds a little cynical and I don't mean it to sound this way, but like, I, w- I don't go, I don't go into a hospital and be like, Hey, who needs heart surgery? I got your back, man. Come on over. Mm-hmm. And I feel like sort of Instagram open, like blows the windows out for everyone to be like, Oh, I'm like, I'm a bartender at home or like, I'm a brand ambassador, you know? So I feel, yeah, I, I don't love what Instagram does to the cocktail world. I think it sort of has the negatively. I think it has a lot of people who aren't totally qualified mm-hmm. or what I think of as like bartending for the, the right reasons, yeah. quote unquote, whatever that, whatever that is to me, you know, but um, yeah, I, I definitely prefer when I do use Instagram, I prefer like following actual cocktail bars mm-hmm. as opposed to actual bar as opposed to, people who are bartenders or claim to be bartenders. Got it. Okay. Um, and uh, I mean, unfortunately I'm also really bad with Instagram. Like I, I have an Instagram for my business. I rarely use it. Mm-hmm. And that's just, I, that's also probably part of also never having a nine to five is I'm so like technologically behind every mm-hmm. other, a lot of other 30 year olds that like, it doesn't even really think, it doesn't really like register in my brain to use Instagram to learn how to make cocktails. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Like, did you have, as you were going through your twenties, like, did you have other bartender mentors, like other bartenders that you looked up to? Like, how does that fit into the Yeah, I did. Um, That's a huge thing. So there's a, there's a thing in the restaurant industry called staging. Have you heard Have you heard of staging? I can't say I've heard of staging. Okay. So, I mean, a lot of terms in restaurants come from French because that's like where, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the mommies and daddies of cuisine are from France. So um, staging is when you go, you basically reach out to somebody who you admire at a restaurant or a bar and you like give them your resume and you like say, Hey, I want to work for free with you specifically. Can I do that? Mm -hmm. You know, here's my, here's my, my info. And they'll either say yes or no. Um, And yeah, so that's basically what I started doing in Boston sort of as I was moving here. Like I, I'm assuming that you've been to Eastern standard yep. in, yeah, that was sort of my, like one of my favorite bars in Boston. Um, and there was a bartender there named Naomi who she was just, she was just so fucking cool. I was like, man, this chick is like the quintessential in my mind, mm-hmm. like a bartender who's just like crushing it. Um, so she was definitely someone who I, who I looked up to a lot. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've staged at a bunch of places. I feel like that's sort of is sort of like a. 
And do you do it for like a long, like how long are you stuck? No, I mean, you can't really afford to do it for that long because most people work five days a week. I mean, when I was younger, I was working like 50, 55 hours a week. So it's like, I could do it for, I would do it like once or twice a month Yeah. on my day off. I mean, when you think about it, like, it's not just like you're like sitting at the bar, having a beer, watching Naomi Barton. It's like, I'm, I'm bartending yeah. with her. I'm like working for, I'm working for free to gain this experience, to gain this knowledge, to it's like an unpaid make connections, like all of these things. Also like, yeah, it's just, it's pretty fun mm-hmm. to do that. I mean, it wouldn't be fun to work for free five days a week, but <laughs> once a month, it's, it was pretty fun. To have it to somebody that you like look up to. Yeah. And I, I think, yeah. And I think um, I kind of joke with people in Austin, but like I would used to say like whenever I would go home to Boston and I would come back to Austin, I'd be like, oh, okay. In two years, like this is what's going to be cool in Austin mm-hmm. for bars. Like I would go to, um, I would go to the Hawthorne and be like, okay, this is what they're doing. I bet in like 18 months that'll start like trickling down to Austin. You know, it just kind of cool to like, see like different, I mean, and that's not really totally shitting on Austin. That's just, it's a regional thing. It's also like, I mean, Boston is just sort of a little bit more of a um, cosmopolitan place than Austin is. Where, where are some of the top cocktail spots right now or spots even just in the food and drink game in general, at least in the U S Oh man. In the U I mean, honestly, with COVID, I don't totally, I feel like that's a lot. I would like, yeah. I mean, I, that's a huge bummer is like, I don't totally have my finger on the pulse. I haven't, I haven't set, I work in a bar Mm -hmm. part-time and I haven't set foot in a restaurant besides the bar that I work at in 350 days. So, I mean, in my, like, so I guess if you asked me this question a year ago, um, I mean, in Boston, I definitely would have said Eastern Standard in terms of bars. I mean, even just like cities, like, are there cities for you? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's like, oh, yeah. I mean, the stereotypes that people say in my mind, they're true. Seattle, L.A., New York, Chicago, Boston. Those are all like, in my mind, like level one. Mm -hmm. Level two is like Portland, Maine, Austin, Nashville, um, Portland, Oregon, like the sort of like B yeah you know cities yeah and that that question I mean that's also like that's that's sort of the case because that's what like restaurant guides have been Mm -hmm. working to achieve for like the last 35 years so it's like that's why that's the case but excuse me um yeah okay um Okay, so I want to I want you to tell me a little bit about how another round came to be. So you were working in bars and restaurants, you mm-hmm. know, bartending. At what point did you decide, hey, I want to I want to make my own thing of this. I want kind of my own brand that I own. And and how did that decision happen? Yeah. Um, so I was managing at a I was managing a bar at a restaurant that I really love and really respect. It's still all my a lot of my close friends are still working there. It's, it's a great place. And it sort of, it sort of opened my eyes to like, wow, this is, I mean, they're, they're like crazy farm to table. Like their menu changes, like within a shift, the menu will be changing because of like, okay, like this is in, this is out. Like they're so hyper local. Um, and sort of my job was to translate that idea to the drink menu and like create the drink menu, create the spirits list, the bar wall, do sort of all of like 
that stuff. And I just had a, like, I just loved it. It was like, this is, this is really intriguing to me. Like, I feel like it's really common to think about farm to table for food. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit less common to think about farm to table for like alcohol and spirits. I mean, um, like the coffee fair trade thing is, you know, people are on board with that. Same with food, but I feel like sometimes with liquor, it's like, oh, no, nah, just, I'll just get, I'm not gonna, I mean, you know, I don't want to like fire shots at liquor companies, but like, oh, I'll just get, I'll just get this or I'll just get that. And it's yeah. like, man, there really are, there's a really, really right way to do that, which is pretty challenging, but really fun. So I was doing that at this bar and then I was like, man, why don't I do this for myself? Like, mm-hmm. I know so many people in Austin who, if they're having a wedding, they don't want to have Jack Daniels. They don't want to have Maker's Mark. They don't want to have, like I mentioned, like a raspberry mojito or like a pecan old fashioned. Like they want like a really creative, really creative, really unique drink that like is going to be memorable, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and this might, I feel like this isn't partial to industry people, but I mean, there are so many restaurants and bar experiences I have that I still remember. Yeah. Even after having five drinks, I'm like, man, that was still great. Like, you know, so I feel like creating that for people outside of a bar and restaurant for like for their event, for their house party, like they've done some like house parties that have been really, really fun. Like mm-hmm. what better way to throw down at your house and have a bartender making an awesome drink? You know what I mean? Like there's, yeah. there's really cool ways to do it outside of the traditional like wedding and wedding and I don't know, I guess other big events but that was sort of the callus was like thinking how can I translate like this idea that is a pretty strong idea a lot of other people are doing this across the country too Mm -hmm. and like make it work for me you know and and make it work for the earth and so was it a case where you you know you're working this restaurant job as as a manager and you quit that job and like went full in on another round or was it never like no. a full like hard transition? No, it hasn't been a hard, it wasn't a hard transition because, um, I mean, I'm really thankful because I, I basically left that job two weeks before COVID came last year mm-hmm. to go bartend two days a week to be able to do another round, basically full time. I mean, yeah. I was gonna, I was like, I was gonna work like 17 hours a week. So I was like, that's basically not really a job. I can still work 40 or 50 hours a week on another round. That was sort of the, the goal. But then as soon as COVID happened, it was like, whoa, pump the brakes. Like, this is not, this is not really happening anymore. A little bit more of a, of a backup plan. Yeah. Um, so when, so when it did start, like you mentioned weddings, was that sort of the first thing that you got your foot in? Cause it seems like there's a lot of different pieces of what you're working yeah. on was the wedding like was the wedding weddings was weddings was the first one and then I um I mean sort of like what I really feel what I feel the most confident in and the most like excited about is like would be consulting like mm-hmm. designing cocktail menus for bars or companies um like training people how to I mean training staff is super important because you like like yeah. for any I mean in hospitality it's it's sales and that's you know you want to and trust your product with who's selling it. So like mm-hmm. training was sort of something that I was kind of excited about, especially with Austin. It's like one restaurant closes 50 open every day. So like, there's a huge market here. Um, but consulting was definitely sort of the direction that I was, that I was looking to go. Um, and then COVID happened and it was like, Whoa, pivot. Now I'm going to like sell cocktails to go 
because I don't like, I don't know what else to do. Nobody yeah. wants to, nobody wants to have a wedding. I don't want to go to a wedding. Right. Nobody <laughs> wants to go to a bar. I don't want to go to a bar. It was like, I guess I'll just, I was lovingly and sort of jokingly calling myself a cocktail drug dealer because I was just like delivering cocktails to people, like leaving them on their doorstep and like texting them and being like with a mask on, like, Hey, I'm going to like go back in the car. Cause it's like a raging pandemic. Your margaritas are on your doorstep, <laughs> you know, like. That's amazing. Did I not see totally you, like, the direction you putting, that I thought like, of. were you making like, I, did I see you had like bagged cocktails or something like that? Oh, yeah, I was going, I was going pretty. And I was like, it was really fun. Like I was like still doing like crazy ingredient. Like I was still doing like coconut milk and like butter and like sort of these, you know, I feel like when you think of cocktails to go, it's like, all right, yeah, I'll get, I'll get a, whatever. Uh, I, I, you know, like a margarita or a daiquiri or something, but I was like still really making it kind of kooky. Um, but yeah, I would put them in, um, are you familiar with like a sous vide? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So there's like a, there's a, the larger name is like a cryovac, which is like the little sealer, the back sealer. So I have one of those. So I was just like, to keep it like sort of like COVID safe or whatever. I was like, you know, wearing gloves and like backbagging all the cocktails and like backbagging all the ingredients and then backbagging all the, the ice and stuff and garnishes. I'm like kind of, I go a little overboard with garnishes, which is really fun for me. Um, but yeah, it was sort of like, man, this looks so funny. I'm like dropping off like a paper bag. Like when I saw it, I was like, I mean, this is probably downplaying it, but it looks like a, like an IV bag, like that you're yeah. getting like a couple of yeah. these like IV bags dropped in your door with some yes. booze and some. And then in them. I had friends who were so creative that they would just poke a tiny little hole in the bag, stick the straw in it and just drink it like a juice box. And I was like, man, this is awesome. So how, so, like, how did that go? Like, were you getting like significant sales off of? Um, I was in the beginning I was, yeah. In the beginning I was, and it was like, it was really lucrative. It was also honestly, I mean, I've never not worked for, for eight weeks. Mm -hmm. So it was like a thing to do. It was right. like, man, I like the first two weeks. Yeah. It was like something fun to do. So that made it like pretty, that made it pretty enjoyable. I mean, and it was lucrative, like it definitely like paid my bills for, mm -hmm. for three months while I was doing it, but it was like just paying my bills. Yeah. And also, I mean, I'm sure you've had moments where like, I've never had so much alcohol in my house at once. So I was like, man, I'm like drinking like gin martinis at like 2 PM on a Tuesday because it's COVID and I'm not working. And like, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, yeah, kind yeah. of, it kind of feels like I'm at work. So I'm kind of like, Oh, it's like mm -hmm. the, like, fun part of bartending where like you sometimes do want to like have a little drink but it's just like oh man this is like it's a little much yeah but um, yeah how from what i can tell you it seems like you have so many good relationships with distillers in the austin area with you know i, I don't even know if they're farms or food producers mm -hmm. like how have you built up those relationships over the yeah years? i i i hope i do i like to think i do you know um I've been meeting with liquor reps for, for a long time and same with farms. I, I feel really fortunate. A lot of the restaurants and bars that I had worked in sort of set me up for success in, th in that respect by like sort of giving me the opportunity like, hey, Addie, like, do you want to be the bar manager? Do you want to do this? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And then that then being able to foster those relationships on my own. Um, so, yeah, I definitely have definitely credit that to sort of 
my, my previous employers. And also, um, I mean, before COVID, like I, before COVID and before getting married, I used to go to a lot of bars. <laughs> so it was like, that's where you, that's where all, all of the other people who also like to drink and like cocktails and work at bars, go to bars. Right. So, you know, it's pretty, it's like, kind of like, you're just like going to your, you're, you're in the right places to, to network. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm like always in the right place at the wrong time or the right place at the right time. Excuse me. Um, and so like, as you've built those up, like, do you now, as, as you're thinking about another round, like, do you have a preferred gin partner or do you have a, do, yeah. where I always go for tequila. Like has that started to form where you have, it, it totally has. And, you know, I feel really lucky. So I had like a little, um, like a launch party, I guess a couple, like two years ago, right. As I was having the idea that like, I think it was the end of 2019, no end of 2018. Yeah. Um, and I had, I was reaching out to all of these people, like all these distillers around town. I was like, Hey, Hey, it's me. Um, I'm like on my private email because this isn't, this isn't like X restaurant affiliated. I'm having a launch party for this company that I'm trying to start. Would you consider donating a case of whiskey? Would you consider donating a case of gin? Would you give me some swag to give to people with like your brand? And like, I was shocked. It was like, man, this is how like your community shows up for you. Like Mm -hmm. I've always been happy to like plug people's spirits and stuff when I like it and having, uh, I'm just gonna give me a shot. Having Treaty Oak from Austin show up at my house with like with 12 bottles of alcohol for me to basically have a party with for free was like, that's pretty dope. Yeah. You know, that, that, that will make me anytime I'm at a liquor store buy Treaty Oak. That'll Mm -hmm. make me when my friend texts me, Hey, what should I get? You should get Treaty Oak. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like that's how you really build community, especially in Austin where um it's just like hard to keep it's growing so fast it's like hard to keep track of track of everything yeah um but yeah definitely like you like using the networks and the network of industry people and sort of seeing how readily they were able to help and willing to help was like yeah I feel like I should do this that's cool if that you know what I mean like Right. If that's the response I get, like, yeah, I'm going to go for this. Yep. That's awesome. Um, and so as you've like built out those relationships, obviously like on the alcohol side, but it also seems like you are very unique and creative in your food choices that go into things. Or you're like, (laughs) I would guess I would call them like non-alcohol elements of cocktails. Um, so how have you built up that skill set and those relationships over the years? Cause like that, when I think of cocktails, I don't think of like, I was looking through one of your things and like, I wrote it down, basil, kumquat, lime, pineapple. Like how have you built like relationships with yeah. food and farms in that space too? Yeah. I mean that, I definitely owe all of that to honestly, like being a very avid restaurant attender, I mm-hmm. think <laughs> restaurant attender. Um, yeah. That's from going, that's from years of having like enough, money in my bank account to like pay my rent, pay my bills and like have one nice dinner a week. It's like, yep, I'm going to go spend 90 bucks when I'm 20 on myself at a restaurant to go like learn about, you know, like learn about food and learn about drinks and that kind of stuff. Um, I've always been, yeah, you do not have to twist my arm to go out to a nice restaurant ever (laughs) or like get the hundred dollar bottle of wine or get the, try the $42 cocktail. Like I'm always, always down for that. But, um, and yeah, I feel like that also, that sort of is an easier way to set you apart. Like I did a cocktail competition a couple of years ago 
and I put, it was a drink that I put um, chicken fat and butter and a beer shrub and raspberries and lemon juice. And people were like coming up to the table and they were like, they were like really being obviously pretty playful, but they were like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> what is, and like the little garnish was like some fried chicken skin. Uh-huh. So it was like, like, oh, like, so I feel like that day, so many people were like, I had no idea that like these things could be in a cocktail. And the purpose of it was that it was a, a cocktail competition called bourbon, bluegrass and barbecue. And I wanted the cocktail to emulate a plate of barbecue. So I put meat in it. I made it like tangy, like coleslaw, like kind of like sweet, like a pie, you know, like I did all these like sort of like elements, like to sort of bring out all of those, like not necessarily exact ingredients, but like the, the feeling of like, Oh, this is like kind of sweet or like, this is, you know, Mm -hmm. um, that's amazing. Like, yeah, that was one of my, I think that's my favorite cocktail I've ever made too. It was like, and what, does that does that cocktail have a name? It's called Can I Chick It? Can I Chick It? I love yeah. it. Um, yeah. I, I wanted to ask you, like, if you ever, if you had a, this is like the cocktail I'm most proud of, you'd say that. Yeah, it's one. it's definitely that one. It, it um, graciously won me the people's choice for that competition. So I was super thankful for that. But yeah, I feel like it's just like, man, that's like, I've had so many, so many successes with cocktails and so many failures trying to make drinks. And I feel like that one was like, yes, I will. I will tip my hat to that drink for a while. So a drink like that, how long does it take you to get to the point where you're like, yep, this is perfect. I've nailed this. Like, what is the the process oh, of getting to that final drink that you're so proud that, of? That one was super, I was really fortunate. Um, that drink was very easy. The, the actual... Um, so like creating the actual ingredients for the drink was very tedious Mm -hmm. like fat washing with smoked chicken fat was a little um different than i am used to and like i made a yeah and like i made a um a shrub from beer so like i took a mother from kombucha to like ferment it with beer so it was like all these sort of like technique things that i was like man i don't know anything about kombucha i don't know like i don't know anything about chicken fat and science experience seriously um so that that was more tedious but then the actual um like building the actual co- like, call it like build like building the actual cocktail was like a, it's a half hour i mean that's once you have all everything tasting the way you want mm-hmm. it's really just like um you know getting it the way you want and i also i never i never make a drink that i want to put on a menu with just myself i have like five or six people with me mm-hmm. all trying it all and you know people who you obviously trust, but like, I would be very hard pressed to like, think of someone in my life who's a bartender who like tries to drink themselves and is like, Oh, yep. That's good. Good to go. Like you're always sort of sound, you know, paneling. Yeah. Yeah. It, paneling. Exactly. Yeah. Got it. Um, but yeah. And how, how often are you creating new cocktails kind of from scratch like is that a is that a regular occurrence or are you Mm -hmm. sort of like how how do you balance like playing the hits of like yeah I know I've got these six that I fucking yeah and then I want to come up with new stuff like what is that balance yeah so I think that um I'm grateful that I have my wife has a couple of siblings who live in town so I feel like whenever they come over to our house they know like okay we're gonna get some Mm -hmm. some weird shit (laughs) that she's that Addie's like trying to to figure out, you know? Um, so yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm usually 
constantly tinkering around with drinks and you know like I definitely go through phases though I mean like there are times where I'm like oh my god I've been bartending for seven days straight I'm only like I'm only drinking beer I'm not like having a cocktail I'm not like doing you know it's it's a labor of love so yeah. sometimes you definitely do want to take a break but yeah I would say I'm I'm usually tinkering with drinks quite a bit I have a, I have a pretty nice home bar mm-hmm. um and like a, a good like you know area to do prep and stuff in my house um but it is hard like I do have some friends and family who are like oh like will you make like I think like one of my my sister-in-laws I was like will you make the shishito margarita and I'm like oh my god like yes I will it is delicious I really enjoy it I'm glad you enjoy it too but like can we like can you drink something other than tequila can we like try to mix it up just a little bit you know just like, a little bit <laughs> yeah, it's always it's always this, like because I I do find like and I and it seems like I go even as as a drinker like in phases of like okay it's the winter I'm in a lot of whiskey drinks okay mm-hmm. summer I'm doing a lot of tequila drinks like yeah and it just does rotate like that yeah um, for you where does it where does a new cocktail start like are you like hmm. I'm gonna start with x alcohol base or are you like oh this is a cool ingredient I'm gonna figure um, out how to build a cocktail mm-hmm. around this plant or like yeah how does that happen it's usually the ingredient. Um, I'm a non-compete when it comes to liquor. I drink, there isn't a, there is not a liquor that I do not drink. So that sort of is almost like the afterthought. Um, yeah, it's definitely like, oh, this is really like, there's a really cool herb native to Texas that's called Copper Canyon. And it looks like weed and it smells like if, it smells like pineapple, mint and sage all, all had a little love child. A little baby. Um, and it's so cool. So I'm, I like, I feel like, yeah, I, I made, there's a cocktail that I made that comes to mind that has like that with coconut milk and um, a yopon, which is also a native um, plant in Texas, like a yopon tea infused gin mm-hmm. um, that kind of tasted like Tom Kha soup, but it was obviously cold, but um, yeah, I definitely, definitely do ingredients first over ingredients or like ideas, like um over spirits. Like I've tried to make drinks. I'm like, Oh man, I want like a couple years ago, I was on a quest to create a cocktail that was like a bowl of ramen Mm. and it was really difficult. It didn't work out. It was so gnarly, but I would like have dreams about it. Like I would have dreams about like seaweed infused gin and like, Oh, maybe that's it. And it never was. And that's okay. (laughs) Someday, someday you'll crack the code. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And then to build on that a little bit, so once you've built around an ingredient or you've, you've got a cocktail that you're feeling pretty good about, how does the naming process go? Oh, I, I feel like it. I hate it. it. Really? I hate it. I used to, I would, I hate it. I'll like walk around a bar or whoever I'm with and be like, Hey, this is what's in the drink. Would you like to name it for me? And then like, I don't know. That seems like it's kind of like your thing. I'm like, no, please. I hate it. I really don't like it. And I hate the name of the can I chick it. I, the place that I worked where I put that on had the unfortunate tendency of every cocktail name was a pun, mm-hmm. which I really don't like. Um, I, one, one or two is cute, but this was like, they were trying to make the whole menu. I was like, Oh my God, please stop enough. Um, so then I feel like the one, the one time where I was on, had a good stride naming drinks, 
I named every cocktail I made for like a six month period, either a song title or a lyric from um, a Queen record or a Queen album. Um, and I feel like there were some pretty good, pretty good ones in there. That's awesome. Yeah, but that that's also easier because I'm like basically, you know, riding Freddie Mercury's coattails. He already came up. He already came up with the cool slogan. He's he's the genius. So it's, he is. I mean, really, I'm just the I'm just paying homage. Yeah. Um, but oh man, that's naming so drinks. You don't love don't love the naming. So do you? Will you like pull in like family friends? And you're like, hey, all the time. Yeah. And then I'm also kind of jokingly judging. I'm like, no, I hate that. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, it's like nobody can win with me in naming drinks. Yeah. <laughs> um so with with another round like you know god willing we're on the you know hopefully the the turn here of of kind of bars in the world reopening a little bit more and weddings starting to happen again like what are the next goals for you in, in like building this business and you know kind of growing you know what what it is that you're trying like are you trying to eventually get to a point where you do it full time are you trying to yeah oh yeah I mean that's been sort of that's been sort of the dream is to you know to get it going full time I have a I have a pretty good friend who started his own bagel business in Austin and I'm really trying to to heed his advice which was like he was like don't leave your full-time job until like you add he was like until you're checking your email at four in the morning Mm -hmm. like and like scratching your head like how am I going to get through the day don't leave your job like Mm -hmm try to stretch yourself as thin as you can for as long as you can, mostly financially mm-hmm. for financial reasons, you know? So, um, so I'm definitely holding out. I am holding out until like, I absolutely have to, but I, it makes me sad to kind of think about, but like, I, I'd like to like pick up where I left off. Like I was this time last year, I was like, man, I'm like, I'm getting my first consulting job. Mm-hmm. I'm going to France to like, I'm going to Cognac to like work for a, a brand. And like, I'm going to like, pimp out this brand in Austin. Like I was really excited about that stuff and it obviously all fell apart with COVID and that's just as unfortunate for me as it was for those companies. But, um, I'd like to like try to like, yeah, pick up the, like get back into the the COVID pieces of that. Yeah. Consulting. Yeah. Like excites you the most. Yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah. I mean, bartending is great. It's, it's, I mean, I met my wife working in a restaurant, Mm -hmm. all of my best friend, my whole every friend who I have mm-hmm. is somehow attached to a restaurant pretty much. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I love actual bartending, but yeah, I, I think the idea sort of another round isn't totally just bartending, you know, it's, it's creating, it's collaborating. Like there's also so many aspects of cocktails that aren't just like actual cocktails. Like ice is a huge mm-hmm. thing with people in drinks now. Um, like like I mentioned earlier, like the educational aspect of like bartending and working in restaurants is really, really fun for me. Um, so yeah, sort of s- sticking with the the core of the the company idea ethos or whatever, which is like, you know, sustainable, local, um, like mindfully sourced mm-hmm. ingredients for cocktails that you've never had before that you won't ever have again, like in a pretty cool way, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. And when when you started it. Like, how did you, how, where did the branding, like, I loved, I actually loved the logo oh, and the branding. Like, did you do all of that or did no, you? No, no. So, um, shout out to a, my friend who I actually met while I was waiting tables, who has become a lifelong friend. Um, she worked for, um, she used to work for IDEO in Boston mm. and now she works, then she worked at Preacher in Austin and her friend Taryn from Preacher did all my branding for me. 
and it's awesome. And also, thankfully, I started a GoFundMe, so all of my friends helped pay for the branding. So it was definitely another act of love for my community for that. But that's awesome. Yeah, she's she made the little cowgirl chick. She has all my tattoos on my arm. It's pretty cool. That's cool. I, that's yeah. great. And like, how have how have you mar- like marketed? sort of another round is it really again it seems like you've done such a good job of like cultivating this community in austin and, and your network there like has it mostly been word of mouth or mm-hmm. like, it's that- mostly word of mouth um yeah yeah i kind of had to be I'm, I'm not gonna get too much in this part but i had to be a little bit careful with the liquor laws and delivering cocktails i'm sure that everyone can gather from gather yeah. what i mean from that um so i didn't do a whole lot of marketing because i was a little cautious of just like what that would yeah look like um but yeah it's been totally I mean it's been I feel like my biggest source of connections around town is is people who I've met um in liquor meetings you know the two people who own my favorite liquor store are both from Boston Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard of the the liquor store the Boston Shaker no okay it's a it's a you should go it's a badass liquor store and they were friends with that guy and they opened the Austin Shaker which is not really affiliated, but they're both from Hyde Park in Boston. And they're just like, they're just, they're fucking awesome people. It's like mm-hmm. a little slice of, a little slice of Boston. Every time I like go it's get a bottle of, of tequila. Yeah. It's really, it's really nice, but yeah, definitely my community has sort of, I feel like I keep saying the word community, but that's honestly, that's, no, a, huge, that's a, a huge part of my company. A, yeah, it's well, such a key part of it all. Like, yeah. And, and I mean, I know for myself, I, I got to try some of your bitters. Like, did, how did you get into that whole I, I, whole piece? Of oh, yeah. I mean, creating bitters for the holidays. Yeah, that was sort of, I was just like, man, I'm kind of burnt out on like, I just, don't, I don't know. I was a little bit burnt out on like actual, just like the like daily grind of like making cocktails. Mm-hmm. I was like, what could I do that I, that would be like fun for me and like, pretty, honestly, pretty easy mm-hmm. to do. Um, and it sort of had, I'm glad that you enjoyed them. It, it's funny because it sort of had the reverse effect where like a couple of like, probably like, like eight or nine people in Austin got them. And then like 30 people from like New England and Boston got them. And I was like, oh man, I hadn't even thought about anybody from out of state trying to order them. Like, oh shit, I should figure out like, I don't, you know, I've like, these, yeah. yeah. Cause there, it's kind of, that's another thing. I mean, I'm not too afraid to talk. It's, you're not really supposed to mail alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was also sort of like, man, all these people, like one of Ken, one of Kendra's friends, like messaged me to get some, I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, honestly, it just started as an idea. And how do you, how do you make idea. bitters? Like what is, Oh, okay. Um, super easy. So yeah, I'll give, okay. give you all, I'll give that little, give you all your trades, little secrets. trade hack. Yeah. Um, you basically, so what I do is I basically just come up with a list of things that I think would go good together, mm-hmm. heavy on spices. So like, I mean, it was Christmas time. So I was like, okay, like for the cocoa ones, I was like, I mean, man, what's better than like chocolate and oranges. It's like mm-hmm. so delicious. So then, um, so you basically just take all of the ingredients that you want to have and steep it in neutral grain alcohol. So like for cocoa, I like steeped like actual like cacao um with dried oranges that I make which is really easy also and then like allspice juniper clove you know every sort of warming spice that you can think of in Everclear 
And then you have to let it sit for like two weeks, which is so annoying. Um, and then I like to, I don't think everyone does this. Maybe they do. Maybe someone will say, you stupid idiot. Everyone does that. But I like to add some of the base spirit that I think it would go guess, go best with into the bitters. So I put a little bit of um, mezcal and tequila in the bitters too. Mm. Yeah. It like, I mean, it's all stable too. So I was like, whatever, like it'll be fine. It's not like, you know, it's like half an ounce. So it's not like tequila, but like if you're drinking it with tequila, it's going to be really, really good with tequila. Yeah. You make it sound like it's easy, but that, I don't, I don't think I would, I think I would struggle with making those. <laughs> <laughs> really? Okay. Well, well, what do you, are you, uh, are you, do you cook at all? Are you into cooking and drinking or anything? I, like I, making I, drinks I or? cook and drink, but I would say I'm, I'm fairly simplistic in my, okay. in my creations. Okay. I can follow a recipe fairly well, I think. Yeah. I don't know the patience of like two weeks of waiting. Mm, to, the worst. Like, I think that would be my biggest issue probably. It's the worst. All right. So yeah. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I just have a couple like rapid fire questions to. Yes, let's do it. All right. First one. Is there, you've, you mentioned your favorite cocktail that you've ever made. Is there mm. a memorable worst cocktail that you've ever made? Definitely the ramen drink. The ramen drink is the worst. It, it tasted like vomit, actual. It tasted like straight up puke. It was so gnarly. Like I gave it to my boss who is a James Beard award-winning chef and, and he gagged. Mm-hmm. It was so bad. It's oh, it like, how, how often, like, is there, are there others that you've just been like, that was a total flop or it didn't work? Well, or- you know, there, there are, because we used to sort of, me and one of my old coworkers used to play this game where we would go into the walk-in of a kitchen and for each other, like I would go into the walk-in, I would pick five ingredients that I thought were disgusting and hand them to him and be like, Hey, make a drink with this. And then he would have to make a drink. Um, and there was a drink where that he gave me that I made that was, it was fermented hot sauce that had fermented a little bit too long and pickled egg brine and duck jus. It was, and I like put like, I think I put, um, like I tried to put tequila, I put tequila in it. Cause I thought like the tequila, like sort of like briny saltiness would like maybe play with like the duck. And then I put um, some, like a tiny bit of uh, green chartreuse in it and some lime juice to sort of like basically try to make a, a last word cocktail with all of this other gross shit. Yeah. And it was, it was really bad. It, it was really it bad. It didn't play. It never, it never made it onto the menu, unfortunately. So. That's I, I'm, I'm always curious about that because I, I do feel like, even there are some things that I've had in my years of going to bars of cocktails. I'm like, I don't know how this ever, ever got on a menu. Same. I, that's what makes me think that that's someone's ego. Who's not having other people try their drinks, but like, yeah, this has gone on the menu. And it's like, dude, you really should have had. Maybe somebody else. Maybe. Like, not yeah, for your maybe. panel of people. Of yeah. Experience. You should have had your girlfriend or your mom or somebody try comes, this drink. Comes in play. Um, Okay, so here's my one game that I that I play quite a bit on the show with, and I've been doing this recently, and I'm I'm calling it "Explain It to Me Like I'm Five. Mm-hmm. So I need you to explain to me what is I think I referenced it before, but so it's kiwi, basil, kumquat, lime, pineapple, cordial. Mm-hmm. What? Okay. How, how? Yes. So, 
Cordial has a few meanings. Some people interpret cordial as having liquor, sugar, and fruit, or liquor, sugar, and some kind of food thing, okay. or just food thing and sugar. Okay. Um, there is a term, this might be hard for a five-year-old, there's a term called an oleosaccharum okay. that a lot of bartenders use. And you basically, if you've ever made a shrub, have you ever made a shrub? Never made a shrub. Do you know what a shrub is? Uh, I would think of a shrub like a bush outside the front of my house. A sh- <laughs> yes. And a shrub is also, it's basically a drinking vinegar. So it's a vinegar, vinegar-based, like kombucha is sort of a shrub. Okay. It's okay. a vinegar-based drink. So step one of making a shrub is to make an oleosaccharum. So you basically just have sugar and then a bunch of other stuff in it. So for this one, for the pineapple kiwi kumquat, lime, basil, yeah. For whatever, mm-hmm. whatever I made, yeah. you put all of those things into a, like an airtight container with sugar on top of them. And you want to have like the, like the juicier, the better, mm-hmm. because basically what's going to happen is all of the liquid from the sugar, all the liquid from the fruit is going to be drawn out by the sugar. Mm-hmm. And then the sugar is going to, to dissolve and it's going to make a liquid. Mm. So in like four days, all you're left with is basically a container of sort of shriveled up looking fruit in this incredibly, incredibly delicious liquid. Because if you think of like a, like a syrup yeah. is water, sugar, and fruit. So this is just sugar and fruit. So it's like right. totally uninhibited, yeah, that you know, amazing. it's delicious. Okay. That the, was- I think it's less popular among like some places because it is, labor and i mean you're just right. it's a waiting game you're just like oh my god why is this taking so long but yeah you must have some serious patience with some of these things that you create thank you no one ever says that so thank you <laughs> i i couldn't wait i like i, I need the instant gratification though yeah that definitely i mean that's where a shot in the beer comes in handy but yeah exactly um okay last question I, at, at, the, at the end of every episode i always ask i, well, I, I always say stay weird is my my little send-off that i that i have so what makes you addy weird um, as a human, as a bartender, as up to interpretation. There's so many things I'm trying to think of, trying to think of something that pertains to, to sort of all the things that we talked about. Um, Man, this is, why is this so difficult? I know it's a hard, it's a hard, I haven't had anybody that's been able to just quickly. The people, yeah, okay. I was going to ask if people paused and thought about it. It might be a question that I need to start scrapping. Oh, um, okay. This is kind of weird, I guess. Well, in terms of a foodie, foodie person, this is kind of weird. I fucking hate chocolate and I've never liked it and I'll never like it. And I find it disgusting. Interesting. But yeah. you, you'll do, you'll do cocoa. I use it in drinks. But mm-hmm. not straight up chocolate. Mm-mm. No, I mean, I won't, I also won't drink it. Like if it's like in, if there's like a, like a espresso martini with like chocolate, I'm like, nah, I'm good. Like no chocolate. That is a wrap on this week's episode of Destination Different. Thank you to Addie 
for coming on this week's show. I I leave that interview and all I all I want is a is a drink. All I want is a cocktail served up by another round. I we talked a little bit about the the chicken the chick with it cocktail. That a a chicken skin garnish might be the most Ryan Dunn cocktail garnish that could exist on earth. That sounds fantastic. So to all my friends who are in the Austin area, the Texas area, or even looking to get a little little shipment of some of her homemade bitters, I highly recommend you check out Addie and Another Round Cocktails. I've got her Instagram and her website are linked up in the description of the show. So please, please, please go check out what she is up to. And thank you again to Addie for joining me on this week's show. That's all we've got for this week. We are coming up on the one-year anniversary of the old pandemic here. And it seems like things are turning around. I'm going to knock on wood, but we are moving in the right direction. So I hope everybody is still continuing to stay safe, continuing to stay healthy. We are at the home stretch here, so let's not fuck this up. But that's all I've got for this week. If you're not already, like I say every week, please go check out at Destination Different on Instagram, at Destination Diff on Twitter, and get involved with what we are doing. We'll be back again next week, next Wednesday, with another episode of Destination Different. Until then, I hope you stay weird. superpowers we fell in love for just a couple hours i can't tell the difference between what's fake and what's been missing often i'm misunderstood so i'm looking for a better me this is your love song baby i hope that you know the words Take time, take time, cause with you